What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raised a Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. This week, we have a huge show. It is our 2021 favorites list, where we're breaking down our favorite movies, comics, games, and TV shows from 2021. And we are going to talk about our most anticipated of 2022. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. And we're back. Happy New Year, everyone. This is the first Raised a Geek episode of 2022. Hope you all had a safe and healthy and fun New Year's. I am Chris, and as always, I'm here with my buddy Don. How we doing, man? Chris, what is up today, my friend? I am okay. Can't complain as usual. That's good. No complaints is a good thing. Yeah, man, we made it to 2022. We all made it. Yeah. Round of applause for all of us. Pat yourself on the back. We all got through it. We're here. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. But uh, yeah, man, I'm okay. Normal, normal weekend so far. I mean, we run to the comic book store. So that was fun. Um, Yeah, dude, just relaxing, ready to do some podcasting with you. Talk about 2021, the year that was with you. How are you? How are you today? Eh, not too bad. It's rainy and kind of cold here. It's like, well, it's 57 degrees. So I guess it's not that cold, but it's yeah, crazy. see, when you when you complain that it's 57 degrees, that makes me mad because <laughs> here uh, I've just gone through two days of like one degree temperature. I think I woke up on Friday. It might it was either Thursday or Friday to check the weather. You know, I got to see how many layers I got to put on to go outside. Of course. And the weather in Chicago said one degrees. And I was like, this is stupid. This doesn't even feel real or fair. I shouldn't have to leave my house. Yeah. I don't want to did it anyway and suffered through it but yeah so keep that 57 and hug that like a warm blanket because yeah. that sounds like paradise to me right now well if it wasn't raining it'd be completely yeah. different but it's that cold 57 so it's got that wet and cold so it's just kind of ugh, and it's all cloudy and overcast so you just kind of sit here and you just want to so it's like it's like a there. gloomy a gloomy 57 it's very gloomy 57 a wet and gloomy 57 so you know it's just kind of there but i'm super pumped for us to dive into our 2021 list we spent a lot of time this week really talking it over trying to figure out what is what was our favorite things across all the things that we do love from movies and tv shows and games and comics um all the things we love to talk about here on the show a lot of the stuff we have talked about over and over again on the show so we will try not to bore you too heavy with that but super excited to really kind of dive into some of our favorites because we don't uh, agree on everything we don't and uh so it'll be nice to kind of hear some things and and you know, I may some say something you haven't seen, and maybe it'll interest you to see it, or someone listening, maybe you haven't seen something we're going to say. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And, you know, 2021 was a good year for just entertainment stuff, like what we're going to talk about. Um, you know, the state of the world is rough, but if you can pull a positive from it, it gave you some time to actually sit and spend more time with these things mm -hmm. that you maybe normally in a normal year might not you know in a normal year you're doing more stuff out of the house you're going to things you're going to parties or engagements or things out but hey man 2021 we all we all had to just sit around so what do you do in that time you play video games you read comics you watch a bunch of movies that you may not watch so we got a little more time to like examine these things so um yeah i well, guess 2021 was the year that chris got medicated 
So oh, okay. this was the year that I was able to sit still and sit down and actually watch a little bit more than I normally do. So there's a lot of stuff that I normally wouldn't have even made it through. Yeah, and I got to helps. now. So I got to indulge in more content than I normally do on previous years. So it's exciting for me. Well, there you go. That's a plus. That's good. So we're going to dive all into it. But before we do, make sure you like, subscribe, and follow this podcast on all social media and podcast services. We're everywhere. So make sure you give us those likes, those follows, and just talk about the show. If there's something cool that we say, that's one of the biggest ways you can help out the show is tell a friend, you know, follow the Twitter and throw out a uh, an attaboy at us <laughs> and let people know if you think that someone might be interested. Let them know that we are out here talking about the stuff and hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think about it at Raised a Geek. Or if you want to join the conversation in a more archaic way, shoot us an email at raisedageek at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. And all the places, you know, it. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, we're on all those. So come, come find us. Come listen like you are right now. Like, like Chris said, tell your friends. We'd love it. Yeah, we had a great 2021, a lot of growth with our first year with the show. So we're hoping to double all of that and have a lot more fun this year. So come join, subscribe, follow, become part of that journey with us. And we are going to have some fun done. We'll love you for it. Thank you. And Don will love you. Don, let's jump into movies. These are going to be our top movies. We're going to talk a little bit about everything. We are going to try to go spoiler light. We're going to try not to go too heavy with things. And except for Spider-Man, we're going to spoil the hell out of Spider-Man again. Yeah. Uh, But most other things, I think we're going to try to go spoiler light and not really do huge things. Just basic story beats is kind of our current plan. Quick question to you before we get into it about movies. How many times you don't have to sit and think about it too long because I know I would probably have to. But how many times do you think you actually made it to the theater this year? Were the majority of your movies taken in at home like everybody else? I think mine were. And I was trying to think, like, how many times did I actually go to? I know I saw all the Marvel movies in theaters. But besides that, like maybe one, two, three tops. Uh, man, yeah, it hasn't I, been that many. I really think it was those four. Mm-hmm. I did the four MCU movies, and I think the only other one I saw was Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I don't think I saw another movie in theaters that I can recall. Yeah, I know. For me, it was those four, and then just right here at the end of the year, I think we saw Licorice Pizza. Yeah, that yeah. could have even been. No, that was before. I don't. I don't know. But uh, yeah, man, it's just a totally different way to take in movies. Um, not saying that's bad. It's actually a good thing. I like being at home. I like the theater experience too. But this year has changed so many things. I was just curious. Um, yeah, that's crazy to think if I only went to the theater five times. Yep. I, I There maybe has to be, there has to be something else in there, but there doesn't, I guess there doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of movies I wanted to see in theaters, but. Me too. I mean, we could even go through a list of movies we wanted to see, but didn't like Green Knight. I know is one I'd missed and a bunch of stuff. So um this is, uh, let's say, our favorite. It's that's why we're not saying it's the best of. It's our favorites because there could be other great movies we just right. didn't get to, you know. And if there is something that we don't talk about that you think we should, hit us up on Twitter at Raised a Geek. Let us know because I'm always looking. Especially as you start hearing some of my picks, you're gonna know that I like weird shit. So <laughs> if you know anything weird out there, I am all about it. Send the weird Chris's way. I was about to say, Don's got some weird on here too. So I, yeah, I, can't, yeah, yeah. I can't claim that title. But Don, for movies, it gets hard because MCU is obviously 
the only mm-hmm. thing that's making money at the box office as we just said they're the only movies we went to the theater to see this year um they're the only movies that really anybody's going to see in theaters at all so nobody you know nobody else can hold a candle to the mcu at this exact moment and when we sent out our twitter you know feelers to ask people what their favorite 2021 stuff items were it pretty much came back universally spider-man was everyone's pretty much favorite movie i believe definitely the number one pick number among, one pick among and probably probably would be our number one pick as well but to keep we want mcu's its own thing now hollywood and the mcu are completely separate they're in their own thing so we're going to talk about mcu coming back to the movie theaters in 2021 because they pretty much like everyone else took 2020 off the last movie that came out in the mcu was spider-man no way not no way home far from home from home in 2019 after endgame and then we sat on the silence until may of this year when black widow came out was it may or march i think think it was may And uh, Black Widow came out to theaters in May of 2021 and really kind of started the trend of, like I said, blockbusters and coming back. So MCU doing its thing. So we're going to talk about the MCU movies and kind of rank them separately. And then we'll jump into the rest of Hollywood. So we wanted to rank the four MCU movies that came out. They really, for the most part, were the biggest movies of the year. And we wanted to start with number four, which we were in agreement on. That number four was Black Widow. Yes, Black Widow. Um, Poor Black Widow. No, not poor Black Widow. You know what? Because like you just kind of said, it wasn't bad. But of the four, super strong year for the MCU. But if I'm looking at the four as a whole, I definitely would have to say it was my least favorite Mm -hmm. um and the thing about it is i'm not too bothered by it because i kind of thought it would be yeah from the beginning black widow as a character is a cool character but just just something from the beginning when this movie was announced like didn't grab me um right away Mm -hmm. and i I knew it was kind of going to be a like we talked about in our episode about black widow that we had it was kind of going to be a side quest and a thing that wasn't going to be too uh, consequential to the mcu as a whole because the character had already died and now we're going back to show like a adventure she had before she died like how interesting can i find that um you know it definitely had its high points i think yelena definitely pops to mind and and some fun stuff with david harbour's character and things like that and some of the action in there was cool you know we talked about it i didn't really like taskmaster and yeah. and and they kind of messed things up there so you know it's definitely in the lower ranks of the mcu to me but i don't hate any mcu movie so this mm-hmm. kind of falls in there that it was it was all right that's all i can say it was it was all right And when we talk about the MCU taking over the box office this year, out of all four that were released, all of them landed in the top 10 for blockbusters and gross for the year. Of course. Uh, Black Widow landed at number four by the end of the year with $183 million domestically. So obviously made a bunch more money overseas and got a higher total. And of course, you got Disney Premier Plus, that one they were selling day and date with as well for 35. So there's all kinds of numbers that you can't even try to figure out how much money this movie made, but it did make 183 million domestically in the theaters. It was directed by Kate Shortland and starring Scarlett Johansson and Florence mm-hmm. Pugh. So the middle of this list is where Don and I flip-flopped our responses because he felt that Shang-Chi was number three and Eternals was number two. And I thought that Eternals was number three and Shang-Chi was number two. So Don, why don't you tell me why you think Eternals was the number two MC movie of the year yeah Eternals over Shang-Chi I guess yeah so we'll kind of talk about them both in the same breath I guess a little bit I loved both movies and like we said 
Um, these could be interchangeable. And even right before we start recording, I said, you could ask me and in a different mood, I might say, you know, flip flop them the other way. Yeah. Uh, to me, Eternals just hit all the, hit all the beats for me that I um, wanted and gave me a lot of unexpected stuff that I wasn't expecting from an MCU movie. Shang-Chi was very good, but to me it was a little more like formulaic and I knew what I kind of could predict what was coming because I, I I've watched all these movies and it followed that same line of an origin movie of like a, you know, an Iron Man of a Captain America. This is just Shang-Chi's adventure in a kind of like paint paint by numbers same way i mean i loved the action i thought it like we said before i thought it had some of the best uh hand-to-hand if not the best hand-to-hand action in any mcu movie like fight choreography it stands on you know a, a platform by itself but eternals to me just um was so full of surprises and just different filmmaking style and different a w- different way to tell a story that I hadn't seen in a MCU movie before that it just like kind of catapults it for me to that number two position. Um, <clears throat> as far as like a team, I thought it was the best, one of the best team movies, superhero movies I've ever seen. I love the way that Chloe Zhao handled that. Um, like it reminded me of classic X-Men comics and things like that, that um, the, the, this huge group of characters just felt like a family to me. The action was great. Um, everybody kind of got their own time in the spotlight. Um, I really love just like all these new characters and, and learning their names and learning their abilities. And man, it was just great. And, and like I said, Shang-Chi the same way, but the reason I'm putting Eternals a little bit over is just because Eternals felt more fresh to me and different. And that's, that's probably the main reason I'd say. I gotcha. And I agree with you on all of those points. They're both great movies. I enjoyed both of them immensely for different reasons. And like, like we said, I might go watch Eternals for a second time and be like, nope, this is great. And be ready to go. Shang-Chi to me was everything I wanted it to be. And Shang-Chi was very, it, it was the martial arts aspect. I'm a, I'm a martial arts movie lover. I've watched tons of them over the years. I have an encyclopedia of martial arts flicks here. Um, that's just, I love that, that genre. And I love when it gets given the big screen treatment, which is rare. You don't always see these large fantasy-based martial arts films on the, the big screen. So I, that was what I was super excited about with Shang-Chi from the beginning. And it delivered on all of that. The choreography, it had very, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon vibes. It just was a beautiful movie and the way that they, the fight scenes just weren't fight scenes. They had like a story to them and they had a poetry and just a beauty to them and the choreography. And they, you could just tell that they took that time to do that. And that's what I appreciated about that movie. And that spoke to me as just a, being a martial arts movie fan. Yeah, it sounds. It just sounds like we we loved both movies. Oh, yeah. It's just it just comes down to personal preference yeah. where you're when you're doing these rankings. That's all. And, that's all rankings are. It's personal, it's personal preference. preference right now. You ask me tomorrow, it might change. But Shang Chi did make two hundred and twenty four million dollars domestically and ranked number two for the year in, at the domestic box office. And Eternals made one hundred and sixty four million domestically and ranked number six. So definitely mm-hmm. there was a lot of money coming MCU. And as we said, this was really the only, these were the only four movies that really made any real money mm-hmm. this yeah. year. And of course that's going to put our number one Spider-Man no way home. Was there really a doubt that this wouldn't be the best MCU movie possibly ever? 
possibly ever. It's definitely, it's definitely in the top five, probably top three. And you might be hard pressed to find one that I think is better. Um, yeah. I mean, what can we say that we haven't already said in a couple episodes ago? Oh, uh, I can tell you what we didn't say a couple episodes ago because it hadn't happened yet. Over Christmas weekend, this movie already broke a billion dollars. Yes. It's worldwide, worldwide. Uh, domestically, it's sitting at 635 million heading into this weekend. Worldwide, it broke a billion dollars just over Christmas already. So it's already climbing more and it hasn't even released in China. So yeah, I mean, so that's, that's two or three weeks to get to that number. That's crazy. Usually movies yeah. have to like drag, drag out and do re-releases to get to that number sometimes, you know, so yeah. it's crazy to think how big this movie really was. So that's definitely something that we didn't know when we recorded yeah. last time. And clear, clearly we aren't the only ones who think of this so much of this movie with it making that much money. Uh, and like you said before, you know, in the in the poll we did asking people what their favorites are. We got, um, you know, metalcore nerds, four nerds, by nerds, um, you know, melanin B geeking, comic book keepers. All these different podcasts are saying uh, this was their favorite movie of the year. So it's it's you know, it's out there. People love it. It's it, it gave us all our old school villains. We, we came back with Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in this movie, like we thought, and it's just everything about the movie was great. Tom Holland finally gets the, the loss that, that a Spider-Man character needs to grow. And he finally got his moment in that he's not just a stupid kid anymore. He's finally growing into the, into the um, hero he needs to be. It's just like, everything was there. Everything, everything that we wanted out of this movie was in this movie. And I'm not surprised at the money it made. And it really was the best MCU movie of the year. And one of the best of all time, one of the greatest ones that exists. I, I don't know. I know it ranks at the top of my Spider-Man MCU list. I don't know where it ranks for Spider-Man movies, period. We had our Spider-Man episode and, you know, great movies like Spider-Verse the original Spider-Man and Spider-Man two with Tobey Maguire. Does this movie overtake all of those? It's hard to, that's a, that's a conversation maybe for another time, yeah. but it's definitely up there at the top of Spider-Man movies in general period. Um, yeah, man. Great, great movie. Loved it. So does this ultimately, was this the best movie of the year? Man, it's the most, maybe it's the most fun I've had at the movie for movies this year yeah um best movie of the year i don't know that's hard that's uh let's like more subjective yeah. like i can enjoy a movie like we're gonna name some movies that i really really loved but watching them did i have more fun watching them than spider-man mm -hmm. maybe not so it definitely was the funnest movie of the year yeah. the funnest movie of the year but i don't know if it was the best movie of the year if that makes sense yeah i know i hear you it's okay. uh, I can't believe this movie exists. I can't believe they pulled it off. I can't believe they kept as much secret as they did, even though it was a worst kept secret. They still didn't show it. I tip my hat to them because I could have swore we were going to see all the Spider-Man in the trailers. I really did not think I didn't think they would be able to not give that away. Um, poor Andrew Garfield had to lie all over the place as he was doing media rounds for all his other movies and projects where Tobey Maguire hasn't acted in how many years. So he got to yeah. kind of chill out at home and not get interviewed. So he had a lot easier job trying to not deal with the media. Um, but I, I can't believe this movie exists, but I'm so glad it does. This really was the most fun, as you said, 
that we had at with the movie or at the movies all year. And obviously we're not alone in thinking that. So what else were the people talking about over on Twitter? We got some different responses from some of the podca- um, other podcasts on Twitter. Like some people are saying, we said, everyone said no way home. Um, a bite of podcast. Noah says Eternals and Derek says Black Widow. So that's going back to the MCU. Yeah, but man, I'm looking mostly this is No Way Home. Everyone loved No Way Home. Well, if you're out there knowing other movies, definitely let us yeah, know. Yeah, let us Don't... know. Hit us up. Well, now that we got the MCU out of the way, Don, what were some of your personal favorites for 2021? I will say, and it's hard to, when you think about movies for the whole year, it's hard. And recency bias does come into play because the things you've seen most recently yeah. stick in your head. But I think this one, even if I would have seen it in, I don't know, january of 2021 i would still think this was one of the best movies of the year um and it's tick tick boom uh directed by lin-manuel miranda and starring andrew garfield it is currently running on netflix i think it had a theatrical release also for a little bit but it's a um, original netflix film um it's kind of the story of it's a half musical half biography um about the life of jonathan larson who is the creator of Rent, like the long-running hit Broadway show. Everybody knows Rent. Um, Yeah, man, and I just, I don't know, something about this movie really resonated with me um, in a good way. And I'm sitting there watching it, and, you know, they start singing musical, musical numbers and singing. And I loved last year, one of my top movies was Hamilton. Also with, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I'm thinking, like, am I a musical guy now? I don't think I'm a... I don't think I'm a musical guy, but I'm really enjoying myself with this little stupid grin on my face, watching these people dance around and sing these fun, big or- orchestral songs. Um, yeah, the, the the music in this movie is really good. And it's, you know, you might be confused when you hear that it's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. This is his directorial debut. You might be well like, oh, the music has to be from him, too. But this is the life of Jonathan Larson, who was a broadway composer himself Mm -hmm. clearly he wrote rent so you know it is and this tick tick boom is a stage play he did um about like his life and this is just the film adaptation of it so all the music is written by jonathan larson and there's some great songs in there man um i'd be remiss if i didn't bring up just andrew garfield's performance in this the, the main thing that made me interested in this movie was because we'd just seen No Way Home and like the renaissance of Andrew Garfield. And I'm looking at that guy in that movie like, dude, this guy's so talented. And then I hear people talking about this movie like, oh, he's he's in it. He's great. I was like, let me give this a chance. And everyone saying that he was great in this movie are 100 percent correct. I think when awards ceremony comes around, he has to be um, mentioned as, you know, winning some kind of award for this an oscar or or golden globe or whatever's coming next i don't really keep up on the awards but man he was just fantastic he he displayed a lot of emotion um serious funny just and and the guy has so much range and dude he can sing like he can actually really sing i think he's a tony award winning guy he's been in broadway stuff before but he's actually a really good singer you have you have to check it out and see um yeah, man, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. I really liked it. It's not too long. I think it's like two hours. Um, I suggest it to anyone who's interested in musicals or anything like that. Anything with heart, if you like a story like that, this movie would definitely, I think, be up your alley. So that's why I would have to put it on my top list of 2021. Nice. 
Well, one of mine, I'm going to go a complete weird left turn on you because one of my favorite movies from 2021 that I was super pumped to see and I finally got to see it, which was Psycho Goreman. Psycho Goreman. <laughs> uh, written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. Kostansky, I think is how you say that. If I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. Hit us up on Twitter at Raised Geek and let us know. And you can come on the show and tell us how to pronounce your name. And you can talk about Psycho Goreman too, because I'm all here for that. But Psycho Goreman is just a story about these two kids that unearth a gem in their backyard that controls an evil monster that is looking to control the universe. And this young sibling pair use it to make him do their bidding. So it's a most ridiculous movie. It's basically a hyper-violent, hilarious Power Rangers. You have all these characters that are in rubber suits and they're just doing stupid things. And the movie is just kind of hilarious and shockingly brutal. And it has heart as well, surprisingly. And the best part, and I was sitting there watching this movie and when it ended, I was just like, man, that was good. Then the credits started and I was like, man, the only thing that would make this movie better is if they had like a 90s rap that sings about Psycho Goreman. And that's exactly what happened. All of a sudden you heard, whoa, Psycho Goreman. And it was just this rap that wrapped the whole movie. And I was like, all right, this is like the best movie ever. <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned that in our Ninja Turtles episode. You were like, Psycho Goreman has the rap also at the end, just like Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Psycho Goreman has a rap at the end of the credits. So, I mean, this movie was, this movie was great. It just, it hits all of my boxes. So it's definitely was one of my favorites that I was excited for before the year. And that excitement has not waved, wavered since I've seen it. So definitely, if you like weird, weird, hyper-violent Power Rangers type things, check out Psycho Goreman. I think it's streaming on like AMC plus and Shudder right now. So that was where I watched it. Very good. So Don, let us talk about some of our favorites real quick here. And we've talked about uh, definitely this one we've talked about on the show. So definitely go back and check for full spoilers, full thoughts, everything. But one of our favorites was Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve. It was Denis Villeneuve, I think. Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. <laughs> we, practiced, we practiced that name for like 10 minutes before our Dune episode. It's yeah, hard and to, I, it's I, hard. I forgot about it until I'm looking at it right now. But good old Denis directed dune and this movie was amazing it was frank herbert's uh, classic novel that's been tried to be adapted multiple times over the years and usually all kind of met with very middling responses or just adaptations and this one really kind of knocked it out of the park it was ended up being a part one which they didn't advertise which was smart as someone who's read the book a couple times and really kind of grew up reading a lot of this material and just i was super excited for this movie and it really didn't disappoint yeah, man. It was just like a sci-fi operatic masterpiece. Yeah. And it's funny, we come in from, we come watching this movie from two different perspectives. You being someone who watched or read the book and was, you know, very familiar with the lore and me being someone who didn't know much about Dune was just very interested in the trailers and the castings and everything. And we both loved it from like different, from different perspectives. Um, yeah, man, it, it was just a, a great movie from the casting and the size and the scope and the the sets and the performances uh, just hit everything that I think it definitely deserves a spot on top movies of the year. Definitely a favorite for us. So uh, guys, if you haven't seen Dune yet, it is definitely worth your time. Part two uh, has been announced and is on the way. So, you know, that's coming. You don't have to be left hanging with, with just this part one. Um, there will be yeah. more Zendaya in the next one. So more Zendaya for all you Zendaya fans. If you didn't get enough of her and you didn't get enough of her in Spider-Man, you got more Zendaya coming. So, um, you'll be all right. But yeah, I think, and that's to credit this movie was that the fact that they were able to make a movie 
a sci-fi movie of this scale and have it appeal and be in, enjoyed by people, fans and non-fans. And that's hard to do. And it rarely ever happens, um, especially with large scale sci-fi usually just does not get footing with a mainstream audience. And the fact that this one did is just kudos to the people involved to do it. And I think HBO kind of has a big, you know, you know, pat on the back, I think because of this HBO, you know, semi simultaneous release, I think really pushed it over the edge and got a lot more people watching it just because it was on their TV. Yeah, agreed. And then our other movie that we really thought was one of the top movies of 2021, which might come out of left field for some people, but Don and I agreed that one of the best movies of the year for us was Pig. Uh, yeah. directed by Michael Cernoski and starring Nicolas Cage. And I mean, this movie was kind of a masterpiece in many ways. It was subtle. It was heartfelt. It just had a lot of emotion and a lot of things I wasn't expecting going into this movie. I agree. I agree. Definitely. Pig, probably, probably the best movie of the year. I would say in my mind, um, <clears throat> We're not the only ones who think this. A, a podcast we really like listening to, watching comics podcast, really says Pig was their favorite movie of the year. Um, good taste there. But um, yeah, man, it, the, my favorite thing about this movie is just how unexpected it was. Like it, it dashed my expectations for what I thought it was going to be. I knew there was a lot of hype and talk about it, just, you know, subtle hype. But to me, you know, watching these trailers, you just think this is, taken with a pig or john wick john wick with a pig and it's like okay nicholas cage i can totally see that they're going for just like kind of a goofy satire version of of those movies and this movie is not that nope. you know i am not going to spoil this movie for people who have not seen it but it is just brilliantly done some brilliant choices there um never really seen nicholas cage act better in anything he, you know, he, he's a guy who, you know, a lot of people like to cheer for, but in a kind of laughing at you way a little bit. And that's kind of seems like what it's gone, but there's no laughing at Nicolas Cage for this. He really, I think, gave one of the best performances of his career and um, just, you know, the writing and, and some of the scenes, the tense scenes, like there's a scene in here where he's in the, in a diner and, and talking to a chef of a restaurant that is just, it's, it's not a crazy, it's not a crazy, like heavy scene, but just like the, the looks that he's giving and the look that the other actor are giving to each other and the dialogue, they're bouncing back and forth off each other. And just like the tenseness of the moment is just a prime example of what made this movie uh, just like a beautiful film and just the atmosphere and the quietness of it. And, the and just, I don't know. I, I said that Andrew Garfield would deserve an award nomination for tick, tick, boom. I think Nicholas Cage is in that category as well. I think he does deserve some recognition for this movie and hopefully he does get it because um, yeah, it was a beautiful film, man. Yeah. And it, it's, I always love when you stumble upon a movie that when it's over, you sit there and you're, you like process what you've just watched and you think about it. And, you know, I got emotional just like thinking about it afterwards, like the movie ended and I was like, okay. And then I started like really processing what they were going for. And I was feeling myself tear up and just being like, man, that was a mm -hmm. deeper movie than I even thought watching it. So, and I still think about it every once in a while and still, you know, have those emotions that it, it evoked. So, I mean, that it's just, it's a powerful film that I wasn't expecting and, kudos to it it was like i said i hope nicholas cage does get a little bit of love and get some attention for the for the director as well so 
we'll see what happens when award season rolls around. Like I said, I don't really pay attention, but that will catch my eye if I see Nicolas Cage nominated for an Oscar for Pig. Yeah, definitely, as he should be. So, Don, I'm going to run through our list of our most anticipated movies of 2022. So something for you guys to look forward to. And then we are going to move on. So we are pushing through our movies. So definitely let us know what movies. If, you, if we didn't name something, hit us up on Twitter at Raise the Geek. Let us know. Um, so obviously, one of the most anticipated movies of 2022 is The Batman. You can't not. Yeah, you cannot uh, put that there. About that. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse number two. I don't know if that, does that have a full title across the spider-verse i think i think across the spider-man yeah Mm -hmm. Um, that's gonna be awesome i threw on here uh the north man have you seen that trailer yet the new robert i have it was it was attached to a couple different movies i just saw in the theater but i also saw that trailer yeah that one looks cool i like alexander skarsgård and and everyone kind of in there they got a good looking cast they have a great cast i've enjoyed the robert eggers movies he did the witch and the lighthouse so i'm down to see the north man and see what that's all about it's like a viking just looks crazy should check out the trailer but i'm pumped for that i think um the 10 year old in me is super pumped for light year to finally see a buzz light year like prequel sevens buzz light year yeah like being able to see what that show would be i remember watching toy story as a kid thinking man i wish they'd make buzz Lightyear a show and to see like a full-scale movie like this i think it's gonna be super cool um mm-hmm. i mean does avatar 2 come out this year avatar 2 has been <laughs> supposed to come out for the past 10 years so who knows does, uh, is anybody gonna care about avatar 2 man i don't know that's that's the question that's 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 always been my question about that franchise but yeah, I could, you could throw it on there. Why but not? 2022 is the year of finding out if anyone cares about Avatar anymore. And that I'm more, I'm more excited or more interested in seeing if anyone cares about Avatar anymore than I am to actually watch the movie. So yeah. we'll see yeah. where we go with that. Um, then of course you got all the MCU movies, Thor, Love and Thunder, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And then you did throw on here everything, everywhere, all at once, which was Michelle Yao and Jamie Lee Curtis in a weird, trippy, like time spanning. Yeah. The movie looks super. Kinda, awesome. That kind of looks like a uh, multiverse movie that's just not MCU. But yeah. you know, Michelle Yeoh and all her glory, like uh, it just looks super weird, and I don't know what's going on. But it looks like it's something I really would love to see. So that's definitely on my list of movies I'm looking forward to in the coming year. Absolutely. And I'm sure more will be announced as the year progresses and we'll get kind of get a better idea. But those were just some ones that stood out as we were looking through the list for 2022. Now it's time for us to talk about our favorite games, TV shows and comics from 2021. So we got lots more to go. So stick around. But before we do, we want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Anchor.fm. All right, Don, let's move on to our games. These are our top games, some honorable mentions, personal favorites, most anticipated of video games, video games, not video board games, games. Video so games not board games. Yes, not board <laughs> games, not uh, Apple iPod games or <laughs> Apple Arcade I, or iPod. How old mobile. are you? Mobile was the word I was going for there. Mobile games. Um, So we are talking about video games here. As you all know, even though we don't talk about it too much, we are avid gamers or try to be as much as you can be when you're pushing 40 years old. Sometimes it gets a little (laughs) tricky in that, but we do like to get that time in there. Um, Most of the time we end up playing Warzone, but we do like to dabble with other things. And we're going to talk about it right now. You ready, Don? 
Yeah, and we got some some stuff from our Twitter poll too. A lot of people liked the game, Guardians of the Galaxy game for their game of the year. I know that was from Noah from a bite of said that, and so did Metalcore Nerds and Infinity Bros. They all said Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a um I mean, we know Guardians of the Galaxy being the fans we are, and everyone's familiar with that movie. I've I know you played a little bit of that game. Um, I did just receive it as a Christmas present that I didn't know about, like a late Christmas present for my sister. So that's on my list. I definitely want to give it a try. Um, Four Nerds by Nerds said Metroid Dread, which a lot of people seem to love. I don't know. Have you played that yet? Did you play any of that? No, No, I haven't. I downloaded the demo. I just haven't really dove too deep into that i always like to buy the metroid games but i don't play them like i'll start and then i because they're those games that build off each other kind of like the metroidvania games i always would stop playing for a while and then when i turn it back on i'm like i don't know where i'm going or what i'm doing and i get lost so it's like until i've been able to give it the time i'm sure the first time i see it on sale i'll grab it yeah cool i've 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 been interested in that game too so we'll see if that comes up uh Derek from a bite of said Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, comic book keeper said Pokemon Snap. So I mean people are still playing Pokemon games out there. That's um awesome. who who doesn't love that franchise? Um I still got Pokemon Go on my phone. Yeah, um one of the hosts from Melon and Be Geekin said the Back for Blood game. I know we only played the demo of that, but that seemed like a fun one. What was your personal favorite of 2021? All right. Well, this is going to get a little different than the way we named movies. The movies we named are all things that came out in the year of 2021. Mm -hmm. But if I'm thinking of like what held my attention this year the most, I I can't go anywhere except for Horizon Zero Dawn. And I'm not going to spend too long on this because I've already talked about this game, I think, two or three times on our show. (laughs) But I just loved it that much. I mean, it was a game that was released in February 2017, but I didn't get into it super deep until this year, which is crazy because if I would have just kept pushing, I would have known that this was a beautiful game right from the beginning. Once you kind of get over that learning curve, I think, at the beginning and this game kind of just opens up and you get used to the controls, um, it just becomes like, to me anyway, just a beautiful open world game. I would recommend it for fans of like, you know, Zelda or things like that. Um, it's a story of Aloy in this in this distant world. And and uh, she has to overcome the threat to her world brought on by machines. That's a very broad way of talking about it without getting too detailed. Um, but, you know, she's using her bow and arrow and the skills she learned to kind of overcome this threat to her world. And man, the, the game is just to me beautiful I'm, I'm a big fan of open world games when they're done right and this is one that felt like it was done right i didn't feel that the world was too big for me to grasp and understand um the 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 combat once you started getting used to everything it flowed really well for me and i felt really in control of her and when when that happens in a game when you feel in control of the character that's when the game is really fun like when you're not struggling with with things and and things aren't working well and you feel like it's too hard or too challenging but when you hit that nice sweet spot where you feel like you know you're facing an enemy in in a game where you're like yeah i can take you on like bring it on bring it on like that's that's the point where i feel like I'm having the most fun and I did reach that point in this game and just really enjoyed it from start to finish. I thought the story was great. Um, kind of, you know, an engrossing story that, you know, might be a little confusing at times, but I still feel easy enough to follow. Um, 
and even the, the DLC that was released that I played afterwards, the Frozen Wilds, I think even improved more upon the core game. And that's when that game really, really got fun. So I'm kind of putting those two, two things together. Um, so yeah, man, that's to me, the, the game that dominated my 2021. So that is definitely why I have to put it here. If you've never played it, I highly recommend at least giving it a try and see if it's up your alley because um, it's a, it's a really fun game. And they've, this was the year where they released a lot of performance updates for it with the PS5. And I think that if you haven't that played too, it yes. or haven't played it since 2017 when it came out, now is the time to jump into it. And I think 2021, it counts as a, a good release year for it because that's really where it came out. Instead of having two minute load times, I was able to load the game in 15 seconds um, on the PS5. I was able to play at 60 frames per second and having the performance updates and it just played so nice. You couldn't believe it was a game as old as it was. So I agree with you. And and the frozen wilds was amazing and it's the only thing that's got me if it wasn't for the frozen wilds i don't know how excited i would be for the second one coming out here next month but because of the frozen wilds it's just seeing where they're going to go with that i mean as it built that it, it really did turn into a great game so i i agree man definitely that so that's for me what would you what is your personal pick for for game of the game 2021 your favorite one my my favorite was resident evil village um, it was uh -huh. Resident Evil 8. I played through it so fast and I've, I've played pretty much all of the Resident Evil games more or less from, you know, cover to cover, I guess. Um, and I've enjoyed all of them in their own ways. This one to me, I think it was easily probably one of my favorite games I played this year. And it was just the most fun that I had. And I think they finally found that weird balance because like I loved and I played through it this year as well, Resident Evil 7, because I was getting ready to play Village. And I played through Resident Evil 7, which was a great game. It was the first time they took it into first person. And it was scary as hell. That first half of that game is like terrifying. You're playing it. And I'm just like, why am I playing this? Why am I doing this myself? It's very kind of like torture porny as an overall with the the bakers in uh uh, that's what they were called, right? The Bakers in Louisiana. Baker family, yeah. Baker mm -hmm. family, and they were, yeah, very tortured, chopped people's hands off and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And this one toned it down a little bit. So it felt like the first Resident Evil game that actually had almost the perfect balance of Resident Evil, horror, and action, as opposed to sometimes they really started to get real action heavy. And outside of up till like Resident Evil 4, I think kind of hit that perfect mix of action and resident evil horror puzzle and i think now village in my opinion kind of overtook that as just being this perfect balance and doing stuff with the werewolves and everything it just it was a cool game i had a blast playing it the story was great um i kind of want to dive back in i'm waiting for more content i mean i i loved this game i thought it was a blast um i can't wait for you to play it so we could talk about it because i know you'll have a blast with it when that, that time comes it was just a good time resident evil village can't go wrong Awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to jumping into that one myself. So that's a good pick there. Uh, so then some of our favorites, things that we played this year that I think really are on a lot of people's favorites as well, I would say. But number one that we kind of just both finished like this week playing for the most part, which was Re Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. So Final mm -hmm. Fantasy VII Remake was finally came out. It came out, we said 2020? No, twenty. Might have been 19 or no, maybe it was 2020. Okay, it was 2020. This is me not okay. knowing what I'm doing now. Um, didn't <laughs> look up this date. Final Fantasy, yeah, seven remake came out in 2020 and it um, was an awesome game. I played it then. This year, we got the Intergrade 
PS5 upgrade on top of some Yuffie DLC. So we got a bonus chapter, a bonus game. It's about three hours, a couple more chapters. And that I finished this week where Don finished the remake original campaign. And this game was just, I mean, it's ever, especially being a Final Fantasy VII fan, this game is everything you could have wanted it to be. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to understand our um, love of this series and game personally um i mean we're both big final fantasy guys we've played a lot of the games starting uh, with seven <clears throat> starting with seven really i think i may have like touched three or something back in super nintendo days or some of those but never really got into it but final fantasy seven is arguably one of the best playstation one games of all time mm-hmm. um and this game is that but just kind of flipped on its head and changed more modernized, you know, the, t- the turn-based um, fighting is gone, but I mean, clearly the graphics and, and everything is much improved to modern day times, but it's all the characters you love, like, you know, Cloud and Tifa and Aerith and Barrett, and they're all here and it's the same story. And it's just like for a fan of that original game, you were super hyped about this game when it was announced. Um, and just playing it is it's just a it's a fantastic game man the the action flows it's another game with a learning curve but once you start kind of getting there um and it's it just goes yeah it, it just goes that's that's it's just the one of the most fun times you'll have in a game especially if you're a rpg fan or a square enix fan final fantasy fan this game you can't go wrong with it and the only thing I'm upset about is that it's just part one of a super long game. Um, you know, we're expecting part two and part three to come along in, in the next few years, several years, however long you want to look at it. But um, I totally got engrossed in this story, man. It, it's it's done well. The voice acting was great. These Final Fantasy games have really improved in their voice acting over the years. Yep. Um, the emotion was all there. The the fights were fun. The boss fights were were a lot of fun. Um yeah, dude, I, I can't say enough about how much I enjoyed myself there and uh, just really loved it. So Final Fantasy fans, I'm sure you guys already know, but anybody else who might be interested, I think it's it's definitely worth worth checking out. Agree. I had a blast playing it. I've been replaying it. Going through the DLC this week was, was a blast because uh, I think it's still currently on sale on PSN. So you're able to grab it so i picked it up and played through it and it was it's a great game i'm super pumped for part two hopefully that comes out this year oh yeah and then our one of our other favorites that we did get to play this year so it came out at the end of 2020 but we waited until we got ps5s to play it and that was spider-man miles morales we wanted to play it with all of its glory all of the new controller perks and just really be able to play it on a high performing thing and i'm so glad we did this game was just if you played spider-man for ps4 it i mean it's just more of that but this one just had a lot more heart and had that miles morales story a little bit more that kind of started in that spider-man game and really took off and it was just a nice bite-sized chunk nice six seven hours just more spider-man and i mean give me more insomniac spider-man and i'm i mean it's going to make the top of my list every year yeah insomniac really knows how to make a spider-man game after these two we're like please give us more um yeah dude I echo everything you just said. It's super fun. Fans of Miles, if you like to cross the Spider-Verse, you'll love that game. Um, if you liked the the Peter Parker original Spider-Man game, you're going to love this game. It's just more of that. People were worried at first about that this was just going to be too short and just kind of like a 
um, a DLC of that game. And I'm like, oh, it's not a full game, but this is definitely a, uh, it may be a little short, but I mean, it's all there for you. It's like an engrossing game that you can get into. There's plenty of plenty to do, plenty of missions. The open world is there yep. um, and, and your miles with his different abilities from Peter. So you get some new stuff. It's not just like a rehash of that game where they just replaced miles with Spider-Man. They're just like different stuff to do. Uh, his stories his story is a lot of fun and yeah i'm glad we remember this one because we didn't remember this game at first since we played it so early on in the year but it definitely deserves a spot here and i think in, in our favorites and um yeah if you're just a fan of spider-man you're gonna love that game too absolutely you may just you talking about it, it's making me want to reinstall <laughs> it and and go web slinging around because that is just so much fun and i put so many hours into those games that i think i have muscle memory of web slinging right <laughs> Uh, so talk about some of our most anticipated of 2022 one that I know we're kind of super pumped for is Gotham Knights, which is basically uh, Warner brothers, uh, Vancouver, Montreal, Montreal, making mm. it basically the people who did Batman Arkham origins. And they're doing a Gotham Knights four player co-op Arkham game um, where you're playing as red hood and Batgirl and Nightwing and Robin, I think. Um, as the four, it looks interesting. Curious to see how the live service goes, but who are we kidding, Don? You know we're going to be playing that. We like can't. We one. can't resist an Arkham style Batman game, so that's that's why we're going to have to play it. Especially if we can play it together, we're going to find out. And you know what? And if they're able to do the live service right, as opposed to Avengers that did it ho oh, so wrong, then we might have something to play. So I'm super down for that. I am super pumped for God of War Ragnarok or whatever it ends up being called. The God of War sequel set to come out this year, hopefully. Um, the first God of War game was great, so I'm super pumped for that. Don, I know, as he just said, is super pumped for Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel set to come out next month. So we're just next month. away. As well as Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, as we just talked about, or any new DLC, they're teasing some some announcements here at the beginning of the year. So hopefully we will have those announcements and we'll maybe even get a date on Part Two because it has been two years since it came out and they've been working on it and they had a good groove on working on it. So hopefully we'll get some news on that this year. And then last up for our most anticipated of 2022 is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which is Rocksteady, who did the original uh, three Arkham Knight and Arkham Asylum and Arkham City games. And those games are just blast games as well. And they're going to put their spin on that style of game with the Suicide Squad coming out on next gen, which is super. I mean, I'm waiting to see gameplay. We've only seen um, like CGI trailers for this. Of course, the idea of being the Suicide Squad and having to kill down a brainwashed Justice League and having all the boss fights be members of the Justice League. That sounds awesome. So I'm mm -hmm. super pumped for it but i can't wait to see gameplay and hopefully we get that this year oh yeah you named them all i did name them all <laughs> all right that's, Don. that's our list that's our list those were our games favorite games you have a once again favorite games something we didn't mention hit us up on twitter let's jump into some tv shows let's do the tv man we are let's here for do, it let's do the tv who doesn't love some TV? And we, you know, and because being home and only going to the movies five times uh, over the yeah. course of the whole year, got us watching some TVs. But before we get to that, Don, why don't you let us know what some people over on Twitter said were their favorite shows of 2021? Uh, we got a couple Ted Lassos. I know Metalcore Nerd said Ted Lasso. Um, man, everyone loves Ted Lasso, but I, I haven't gotten into it. I know you have your opinions on it, um, but... <laughs> That, that's a show that kind of like 
invaded the zeitgeist of the world. Like, so definitely can't argue with Ted Lasso. Uh, we had a Hawkeye on there from four nerds by nerds watching comics pod said, why the last man uh, comic book keepers has Dexter new blood on there. So I know there's a lot of Dexter fans out there who do say that this newest season is a lot better than what was generally a panned final season. So that is one I may want to check out, but I never, you know, I didn't finish Dexter cause I kind of fell off of it. Um, I don't know. The world likes Dexter, but yeah, that's a, that's a lot of different things we're going to throw in here in the honorable mention. So definitely a good year for 2021. And those, uh, then now let's get to those favorites. No, no squid games. No squid games, man. Nobody said squid game and that's okay. Cause squid game just was a thing that we can just forget about until yeah. season two and three. Yeah. But nobody's going nobody's to care about those. Eh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. And these are going to be a no favorite order, but these were as Don and I were putting our list together of what we liked, we realized pretty much our top were all the same. Um, we really couldn't even pick anything different. This was, I mean, we just had, we were on the same page. So this is going to be nice and easy for us to push through here. But some of our favorite shows for 2021, number one that we were going to talk about right now is White Lotus, which was an HBO show developed by uh, Mike White, starring Jennifer Coolidge, Connie Britton. Um, I'm blanking on the dude's name. Um, Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Mm. Um, it's, ba- it's basically a show set in a tropical resort. It follows the exploits of various guests and employees over the span of a week. So basically every episode was a day of this vacation and crazy, crazy things happen on this gorgeous paradise island. And the show was hilarious and cringy and kind of terrifying. And it was just everything rolled into one. You never knew what you were going to get episode to episode. And Jennifer Coolidge deserves whatever award she's going to get nominated for. Cause she was amazing <laughs> on this show. And yeah. it, this was just, this was an unexpected treat that kind of came out of nowhere. And I think deserves more love. Yeah. I, I mentioned this show also once on the show, um, back when we used to do the watch it, read it, love it thing we used to do, but uh, I definitely did mention the show and that was, before finishing it but um yeah dude i agree it's one of these single seasons of television that i think everyone should kind of see like you said it's got the cringiness the the it just caused me anxiety watching the show but in a good way it's like one of those things where you can't look away anxiety like you you just want to see what happens but you're like you can't take it um just just so many situations it's like bad things happening to rich people and we all just like to see that i guess Mm -hmm. and just uh judge people it's one of the shows too where like everyone you can root against everybody in some kind of way because everyone's just an asshole but you still want to watch it and see what happens um you know really well crafted show i thought and was originally supposed to only be one season but just because of the popularity of it i know there's a second season coming Mm -hmm. um set in a different white lotus hotel at a different location i saw the other day i think michael imperioli is cat was cast in it who's uh, an actor you might know from like sopranos i think he's in in a couple different things um so yeah that'll be cool to see but uh definitely loved the show man i thought it was it was funny and and heartbreaking and like you said cringy and anxiety and and all that wrapped into one just a good time you know eyes glued to the set show yeah, and you will see things that you've never thought you would ever see in a TV show in your life, you will get mm. because Armand runs around and does the craziest things I've ever seen an actor do in a <laughs> yeah. 
normal TV show <laughs> and mm. uh, just stuff that I couldn't believe. You just cover your face going, oh, my God, I cannot believe I'm watching this right now. And you just can't help but laugh and cringe. And yeah, this, it was a good time. And it really stood out as being quality TV as HBO is want to do, because our next show that we could not talk about on a best of list is also an HBO show. And it is Succession, which has to be the best like currently running show on TV. Like mm -hmm. I just, if you fall into this show, you fall in and it is just so, so good. And so um, they just talk so much, but to, to bring you up here, this show is created by Jesse Armstrong stars, Nicholas Braun, Brian Cox, and Kieran Culkin. Uh, it's about the Roy family. Um, they are known for controlling the biggest media and entertainment company in the world. However, their world changes when their father steps down from the company and basically kind of turns into a, who's going to succeed their father in this company and you have these terrible, terrible, terrible human beings that run this company and they all feel they deserve to run it. And you just have this craziness of does, you know, what does Brian Cox want to do? Does he want to relinquish power? And it's just this roller coaster of a show that you just can't believe is entertaining, but it so is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we were talking about White Lotus, really talk about like bad things happening to rich people and rich people being like despicable and not yeah. having yeah. someone really to root for. Uh, this is that show. Um, yeah, I'm with you. This, this I think is the show that kind of captured the public's if there is a show like that this year, this is probably the one where you were talking about it the next day yeah. and you had to watch it because everyone's out. Like, did you see succession last night? What happened at succession? That was that this show this year. Um, and, and we're on season four of this show now, which just wrapped. And I just think it keeps getting better and better as we keep going. Um, I think this was season three. Was it three? Okay. Yeah, I think it was three. You're right. You're right. This was season three. Season four is on the way. But um, <clears throat> yeah, man, everyone in the show is really good. Brian Cox is great. Oh, yeah. Um, the siblings, especially Jeremy Strong, Sarah Snook, and Kieran Culkin, who um, play the siblings, they are all fantastic separate. But when you get them all in one scene together, that's when the show really to me shines the most i love seeing the interaction of the family yeah. um even even throw in the the guy from <laughs> from uh ferris bueller's day off i can't think of his real name right now it's escaping me who uh anyway he's, he's connor the brother, on the show the brother who, who plays connor yeah but uh even throw him in a little bit for that comedic relief but those three siblings who are involved with the company when they all come together and have their interaction the show really shines um it's another one of the like kind of cringe anxiety shows where you things are playing out and you don't want to see them and, 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 and you just don't know who to root for, but you're, but you're still just invested. Like I'm invested in this show. I have to see where it goes um, without spoiling anything. See this season kind of ends where it's kind of hitting the reset button a little bit mm -hmm. where we don't know what is going to be going on in season four, like where they're going to go from here. And I kind of find that exciting. Like, um, it's not following it's not it definitely can no longer follow the same playbook that no. the first three seasons did like the sides people are on and who's with who and who's colluding with who all that is just out the window and about to change so i'm super excited for um the next season of succession and definitely this is you know for that and all these other reasons we had to include it on our list of the best of 2021 plus it does have the best duo of all of tv and i can watch tom and greg just Tom like, and Greg. I can watch the two of them just run around doing stupid shit and just talking and just th their chemistry is the best uh, 
ever and definitely the best right now. So I could watch them do anything and they look like they're going to have their hands full in the next season. So I'm super super excited for that. Yeah. Tom and Greg for president 2024. Let's make it happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's make it happen right in. Uh, So succession on HBO next one that came kind of out of left field on us that we were not expecting to be really anything, but still was something that really stuck with us was invincible over on uh, Amazon. Amazon makes the list. It's basically a uh, based off a Robert Kirkman novel or graphic novel comic book that stars everybody sandra o jk simmons steven ewan uh all kinds basically if you can do a voice there in this show Um, but it's Mm -hmm. an adult animated series based on the skybound image comic about a teenager whose father is the most powerful superhero on the planet and we talked about invincible quite a bit while it was on we kind of i think reviewed every episode so definitely you can go back and listen to what we thought about that if you did not watch invincible just do it it's just such a good show for being i mean it's a cartoon and i remember starting watching this watching it just going all right this is cool it's just like superhero cartoon cool 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 and then the first episode ended and then they came back halfway through the credits and they had this like 10 minute post credit scene that just i mean it was wtf man it was it blew blew the doors off the place Yeah. yeah and just insanity and the show really never let up from there and it was just a really good i mean it was just an amazing show i'm super pumped for we get they already announced halfway through the run they announced seasons two and three so we got at least mm. two more seasons coming of invincible I'm, I'm ready for it give it to me yeah and steven ewan just came out and said the production has just started on season two so that's exciting uh this definitely is one that came out of left field for us we didn't read the invincible comics i was always aware of them i just kind of thought it was a you know a superhero comic from the creator of the walking dead on image so i never really paid it too much attention uh, but then when I saw that the adapt- adaptation was coming, um, I was like, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. It's another superhero show. And we did kind of talk about this show very early on in the life of this podcast. It, it was early in 2021. And man, we both loved it. Uh, we talked about each episode. It just had a lot there. It's kind of taking everything you love about superheroes, but like turning the volume up to 10 and doing things that, you know, Marvel can't do and DC can't do. And um just really good stuff the voice acting was good the animation was great uh super excited for the next season and i think you know it definitely deserves to be on our list because it was you know a fantastic show um maybe a little violent for some people but if you can take the violence and you can take all that um i mean it is animated after all so get over it but uh yeah it was brutal (laughs) it was brutal though but if you can if you can handle that if you're not too squeamish i would definitely say check it out it was a good time Absolutely. And then the last show that we couldn't not talk about as one of our favorites of 2021 was Midnight Mass over on Netflix. This is a Mike Flanagan show. So the same guy who did uh, the Hill House, Haunting a Hill House in Bly Manor. And he did Dr. Sleep, directed that movie and a couple other Stephen King adaptations. But Mike Flanagan, this was his new show. And this is his first original show this was a show that he wrote something he's been working on everything else that he's done has been an adaptation of something and this was his first kind of you know fully original thing and it was my favorite thing that i've seen him do this was just an amazing show it's about an isolated island community that experiences miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic mysterious young priest Mm -hmm. and this show just is insane (laughs) yes and they I, I, you don't even know how to describe it. Like, I didn't know what to really expect going into the show. I looked at nothing about it. The only thing I ever heard about it going into it was that, you know, 
it was religious in some mm-hmm. ways. And you might, you know, if you, you might find things offensive in the way that they did it, but I don't know. The show was amazing. It asked all kinds of interesting questions. It was religious, but then still horror and supernatural mixed in with that, asked a lot of great questions in that. But my favorite thing about the show was that they gave everybody monologue time and every character had at least one monologue and they just did them beautifully. And the way it was shot and the way that they just delivered like the cast and crew of this movie or the show was just amazing. And watching each one of these characters get their moment to shine and do a monologue and be whether you're horrible or great or good, or it was just, it was just a solid show filled with, you know, emotion and depth that you don't just don't get all the time in tv yes definitely definitely hard agrees on all those things uh netflix for the win on this we've we've been kind of bullish on netflix yeah uh over the years but they got a winner on their hands here mike flanagan i'm a big fan of hill house i really liked bly manor but this is his best work um and I didn't know if it would be going in but um it just takes so many twists and turns it's not a ghost story you know, you might expect that from him from those two previous shows. Um, it's not a ghost story. It's just so much more. It's much, you know, more nuanced and deep and, 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 and the story and the characters have are much more fleshed out. Um, yeah, dude, super surprising show to me. Uh, the cast was great. A lot of the, a lot of the faces you'll recognize from his previous works. He's one of these guys who likes working with the same actors, but a lot of them, you know, they bring their a game. Um, the actor who played, the priest especially i think his name is hamish hamish something or yeah you're looking it up he he was in um you know i know him most from like the legion show he was on there and you'll recognize his face from things dude he was fantastic he was like hamish link later yeah yeah he he just brought it um episode one to the end he he was just like a game actor um thought he was really good everyone else in that show did a great job too but he really stood out to me yeah um wouldn't have worked without him yeah i I just loved the like the small town feel of the show and just like it kind of started off slow where you didn't know what was going on but once that show started going it just put its foot on the gas and just kept going um so many twists and turns and things you didn't would have never thought at the beginning happened in this show. And by the end of it, you're just like mind blown, especially the second last two episodes. You're just like, what is going on on this show? What am I watching? You finish the Um, penultimate episode and you just sit there and go like, I had to pause it before the next one started and was like, what was that? (laughs) Yeah, this is crazy. I can't stop watching it. Yeah. Uh, So, so, so good. Um, Like you said, the religious overtones, some people, you know, go in, cautious about those things if those things bother you but yeah dude all around a fantastic show one of the shows of the year um that i didn't expect and i didn't see coming so that's the best kind of show i think when you when you don't know what you're getting yourself into and it can just entertain you to that level so that is why we must include midnight mass on our list uh and it rounds out our list so that's that's our four shows of the year man i i really enjoyed all of them i thought it was a great year for tv especially with those four and yeah there we go. Let's look forward to our most anticipated 2022 real quick. Got a list here. We're going to dive through some of the things that we are both anticipating or super excited about. Um, one is Raised by Wolves. Season two is hitting HBO in February uh, about androids. I loved the first season. It was really weird and dense sci-fi, which as you might notice, I like dense sci-fi about androids and, you know, if they're real people and stuff. So um, it has a, it's way deeper than that, but 
Raised by Wolves Season 2, super pumped for that coming in February. The Sandman, the Neil Gaiman uh, adaptation of his graphic novel, hits Netflix in April. Super pumped to see what they do with that story. Um, Finally, because that's, that's, that's been in like developmental hell for years. It was supposed to be a movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt for so long, yeah. and that kind of fell apart. Yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely read my Sandman. Uh, I don't think I've read all of them. There's a lot. There's yeah, a lot oh, to yeah. it. But I know I've read, you know, maybe the first half or so. It's it's a great book. Neil Gaiman's one of my favorite writers for novels and comics. So definitely looking forward to that. And I know you're also looking forward to Better Call Saul. The final season starts this year on AMC. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> what do you say it like that? No, yeah. no, I, de- I definitely am. Uh, great show. Breaking Bad fans, you know, Better Call Saul is like of the same ilk and a fantastic show. Um starring Bob Odenkirk. I know it hit some production slowdowns when he had his issue. Thankfully he's recovered from that. Thank you, Bob. I'm glad you're good. But uh, yeah, that shows like coming back this year, it's been a long time, but um, if it's any indication of like, if it follows the same pattern as breaking bad, which just went balls to the wall, crazy in its last season, we can expect some craziness from the final season of better call. Saul. So really looking forward to that. Yeah, and then uh, some other things rounding out this year, at least that's what's announced, is we got Midnight Club, which is a new Mike Flanagan uh, horror Netflix show coming out. So I'm down for whatever Mike Flanagan did, as we just got done talking about Midnight Mass. Um, he, said it is, he said it is not connected to Midnight Mass, even though it's yeah. called Midnight, Midnight Club. Yeah. So you would think like, oh, is this connected to Midnight Mass? But it's not. It's totally different. It's just weird that they both have the word Midnight in the title, yeah. I thought. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Um, I mean, obviously, we know we have a bunch of MCU shows coming out on Disney Plus this year, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, but we don't have any dates or any idea of when any of those are coming. So we can't dive too deep into that. But whatever Disney Plus has set for the MCU, we are here for. We also have Atlanta season three, Barry season three and the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Yes, yes. All, all stuff we're looking forward to. Atlanta's a great show. Barry's hilarious. And um, Obi-Wan, yeah, we got to watch Obi-Wan, don't we? We have to see what that's about. I think so. I think so. We think so. It I need to good. see what how Hayden Christensen is going to be Darth Vader. That doesn't make any sense to me. So we'll see what they do there. But I've been liking I mean, we're going to talk about Boba Fett probably in our next episode. I've been liking that show. I liked Mandalorian. I like what Star Wars is doing on Disney Plus. And hey, Disney Plus, give us that Moon Knight trailer. The rumors are that it's coming out next month or March. Give it to us already. We want it. Do it. Make it happen. <laughs> do it. Uh, so those are our, some of our favorites from 2021 and the TV. So Don, comics. Let's wrap this up. Wrap up the comic year with books. comic books. You want to start or you want me to start? <laughs> we haven't. Uh, we haven't. Did you have any Twitter for that? Uh, yeah, we had some some mentions here on Twitter. People people you know that we interact with on a normal basis really seem to like comic books like us. That is awesome. Um, we got from a, a bite of we got um hamari house comic which i'm not familiar with that i'd have to look that up but that's one that derek really likes um we got a couple king and black mentions which is the um kind of event series that's been spun out of donny kate's venom run a lot of people love donny kate's venom and king and black is kind of like the culmination of that comic um and you know metalcore nerds like that 
four nerds binders like that they both liked king and black so that's one people really liked i didn't personally get into the venom donny cates but i know a lot of people loved it so uh can't go wrong there um comic book keepers said barbaric their show is primarily a comic book related podcast so you know they know what they're talking about so definitely check out barbaric that's one uh i'm putting on my list um Melanin B. Geekin said Basket Full of Heads by Joe Hill. I think he's a collaborator with Stephen King. So that sounds like a horror comic. Yeah, that's his um, son. That's his son, right? So yeah. Basket Full of Heads and, and Giant Days is another well-regarded comic. Um, yeah, looking through here. Yeah, that's that's comic book. I already said comic book keepers. Watching comics pod like Superman Red and Blue a lot. Can't go wrong with a good Superman comic book. So yeah, that, that's a lot of good comic books you can definitely check out. Um, me personally, I would have to say I have two that spring to mind the most. Like we share one. We definitely share one that we're going to get to. But the two that I'm going to say for me personally would be one coming from Marvel, which is Daredevil. And we all know Daredevil. We all love Daredevil. Uh, but this is the current run that's currently going on by Chip Zdarsky and drawn by Marco Cicchetto. Um, It's definitely been running for a while. So this is not the first year of this comic, but I feel like it really hit its stride this year. Um, you know, we're getting a lot going on here. Kingpin has been the villain running through this entire show and he's chips been writing Kingpin really well. And the main thing going on is, you know, in the story, daredevil is in jail and uh, he's been, he kind of turned himself in and for, for accidentally killing someone and he felt he needed to be held accountable. And so he's in prison, but the world still needs daredevil. So who takes the, the mantle of daredevil is Electra. And I didn't know how I was going to feel about Electra being Daredevil because I was like, ah, this is kind of what is this? I don't know. Dude, it's been great. It's been fantastic. She is an awesome Daredevil. And like, I hope her version sticks around. And there's kind of like two Daredevils running around now in the comics, kind of like how Hawkeye works that way and Wolverine works that way. Uh, she works really well because she's doing it to you know, her relationship with, with Matt has been, you know, she loves him, but they kind of do things in different ways. Like she's again, she's all for killing people who need to be killed. And mm -hmm. Matt has always been one who's like, no, we can't kill like that honorable superhero thing. Um, and he kind of challenged her that she couldn't be that way. She couldn't change her ways. So a lot of this is her inner struggle with, well, there's these bank robbers and they just robbed this person and I should kill them. But Matt doesn't want me to do it. So I have to hold back, you know, what's in my nature. And I would normally just like stab this dude, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of been her fight there. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Um, and they're taking on Kingpin. And, and right now we got to an event in Marvel comics that chip is also writing called devil's reign, which is coming. It's like a six issue thing where I, I just read issue one and two I have upstairs ready to read. Um, but it's spinning right out of that book and it's basically Kingpin has had enough and he's made it law because he's a mayor. He's made it law that superheroes can no longer operate in New York. Um, so this is bringing in everybody like it's a daredevil book, but you got Spider-Man and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Captain America and all of them basically like in New York, they are now illegal to operate. Uh, wow. So it's been it's been a really fun first issue. I can't wait to read what's left. And I'm, I'm really excited about daredevil in the future. Um, and then the other one I would say would be. 
from DC Comics. So that was my Marvel book. I have a DC book. And this one is um, might be surprising, but man, it's Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. And I'm not a huge Supergirl fan, which is, you know, weird then that this is my favorite comic of the year. But it's written by Tom King and uh, drawn by, I'm going to butcher this name, I apologize, but Bill Quiz Evely, I believe. I think it's Balakwa. Balak, okay. Well, then I sounded stupid when I just said Bill Quiz. Well, but I can <laughs> sound really weird with Balakwa too. So. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. But man, her art is fantastic, just to get that out of the way. But this comic book, man, I don't know how to really put into words how good this is. It's only eight issues, and I think I've read up to issue six. Um, and I love Tom King. Like, he's one of my probably favorite comic book writers working today, and he's written some of the my favorite stuff like Vision and Mr. Miracle, and he had that great Batman run. This is honestly probably his best work, I think. Um, and that's really saying a lot with how much I love those books. It's being narrated. The book is being narrated by a girl who is traveling with a girl from another planet who is traveling with Supergirl. And it's it's the dialogue is just very, very complex and deep. And like you have to kind of take it all in and it might not make sense at the beginning of the comic. But once you get to the end, it 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 all just fits together. And um, this is like her adventure with this girl. They're going after a guy who killed the girl's brother and um hurt crypto crypto the dog like supergirl's dog so that's why she's after him it's kind of like a revenge story why they're going after this guy but they're traveling to different planets and meeting different races of people and interacting and this is just this girl's tale of her journey with supergirl on this like revenge mission basically um and it's just great the art works with the story perfectly it's like tom king at his best if you've ever loved a tom king book you're gonna love this um, I didn't know much about Supergirl going in, just that like she's Superman's cousin. And that's kind of as far as my knowledge went. But after this, I'm like, oh, this is something Supergirl. I'll check it out. I really have grown to really like her character. Um, yeah, it's a great book, dude. I, I definitely recommend people check it out. If you're on the fence, take my word for it. It's a it's a it's a great story. Only eight issues. So you don't got to commit that much. So um, check it out. Supergirl, Woman of tomorrow yeah i'm dying for the trade to come out for that i haven't been able to find the first issue i mean i didn't look that hard i could probably could have went online and found it but yeah um i just kind of hit a point where i was like you know what wait for the trade so that's kind of where i'm at at this point but yeah it looked interesting so it was definitely on my list mostly as you, as you said i do enjoy tom king as well so that's definitely there well don some of my favorites that i had there yes. um, one that i really enjoyed which once again as we said didn't start this year but it did end this year which i really enjoyed oblivion song by robert kirkland with art by lorenzo del felici and mm -hmm. uh this was just a kind of book that came out of nowhere a little bit a few years ago and kind of started he started a couple books like after robert kirkman kind of just surprised everyone and ended the walking dead then all of a sudden he had like die 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 came out and oblivion song came out pretty much like almost covertly <laughs> they just kind of dropped and they were there and i was able to jump on oblivion song which is now i mean it's going to be something everyone's going to know because it's being adapted by jake gyllenhaal i think um, right now for one of these streamers or one of these things, whether it's a show or a movie, but it's just about these, you know, basically parallel universe and you just have this world oblivion that's taking place in the same space as us and a portal accidentally gets opened. So then whatever 
basically swaps out whatever was in the same space. Basically, they just switch places. So all these people get pulled to oblivion and then they're on this other planet in this other world. And then all these creatures that were on that planet came to ours and it just became the chaos that ran from that. And then they've had all different, you know, I mean, the story from where it started to where it ends is insane, you know, of just the jumps that it took for full out battles and wars and twists and stuff that they really did with that. It ended up being a really, uh, a really good book that I kind of was shocked was ending all of a sudden it was like issue 32. And they're like, Oh, by the way, last issue, this is our last arc. And I'm like, wait, what? Um, no idea that they were ending it until I read it in the notes at the end of one of the books, you know, when I hit like number, when I finished the second to last arc. Um, so kind of surprised that it ended and especially with it about to get an adaptation and all that stuff. But I definitely enjoyed that one this year. Nice. And then my other one that ended up being one of my favorites that I kind of stumbled into here at the end of the year, which was Superman son of Kal-El by Tom Taylor. Um, this book, surprised me i really didn't know it was a thing until every till the news broke that they were going to make superman bisexual in this book and the world exploded because of that weird trivial news and uh, and um it kind of brought attention and then you told me you were actually reading it and it had tom taylor and i was able to track down the first you know few issues and reading it's like a superman i've always wanted to read a superman book and this is the first one that i feel like i can and it feels grounded in a story. It feels very earth-based, as I, I've said many, many times. I don't really like once comics, superheroes get taken to space. Usually I kind of fall off at that point. And that was always one of the problems with Superman is he kind of would drift that way and start having these big, you know, things. And that whole idea- He's an alien, man. He's an alien, man. He I know he is. And it makes sense, <laughs> but it's just not for me. So I, I don't get into Superman as much as I want to. And this one, I feel like I can, because this one is Superman's son, Jonathan Kent, who is Earth Superman because he's half human. So he's able to like do things that Clark never felt he had the right to do because he's a visitor here. He isn't a he isn't a human. He isn't an Earthling. He's a Kryptonian. But Jonathan is half Earthling. This is his home planet. This is where he so he can interfere and the stories that they're telling about real world things you know they're he's dealing with dictators and border crises and cl cl climate change and global warming and just the, the topics that he's touching as being kind of like a younger superman trying to find his place in being superman is just done so well and i just i mean the art and the way that they're telling the story is just so refreshing and I've had a blast reading that Superman. It's one of those books, you know, you have certain books where you kind of let pile up and then you have some that you're like, I got to read this immediately. And that just has become one as the year progressed that I just got super pumped for. And they just have such a huge year coming up with crossovers with Nightwing and a bunch of other stuff. So I'm super pumped to keep, keep this series going. But it was one that I was really glad I found in 2021. Yeah, man, I've been reading it too. It's a great book. Um, it's like superman with a new modern set of values that clark doesn't have like more modernized to a millennial superman who would be from today and and just um it's it's been a really fun read art's great everything's great about it. tom taylor's one of the best in the business right now um so that's a great that's a great pick yeah so i really enjoyed that one so don why don't you talk about what our favorite was because yeah, you're further along in it than I am, but it still was one uh, easily probably one of the best books I read this uh, year so far. Yeah, we, we're collaborating on this one. This has definitely got to go to Something is Killing the Children by James Tinian and uh, Werther Deladera. 
Uh, I think it's from Boom Studios. Um, man, great. Can't say enough good things about this book. Uh, the thing that really caught my eye from this one is just the title. I, yeah. I don't, that's, that's like a title that just jumps out at you when you see it for the first time. So when I saw number one on the shelf, I was just like, well, I flipped through it. That's how I kind of treat comic books. I flipped through it. I was like, the art looks pretty good. Let me buy it and see. I, I like the title. And man, this, this book just kind of grabbed me from the beginning. Um, we've, I've talked about it a little bit before, but it's the story of, um, this the small town where children are dying mysteriously and no one can really explain and it's just happening to kids in this town um like it's not happening to the adults and nobody knows strange girl visits town uh named erica slaughter most badass name in comics and uh she comes in and, and she kind of like takes charge and sees what's going on and we come to find out she's from this mysterious organization um like i think it's just called the house of slaughter or something like that and she's basically telling them these are, you know, monsters that these kids are seeing that she also has the ability to see because of her abilities. And it's just kind of the story of, of her trying to save these people and basically just take down monsters. And, and we get down, you know, it gets more complex as it goes. We find out she's part of this organization and she's not the only one. And it's kind of the, the way she deals with that. I just, I love this book just from the art to the storytelling. It's really good. The dialogue is not heavy handed sometimes with, with some comic books, if I turn a page and there's just too many word bubbles, I can't take it, but this, the, the, the dialogue in here is very measured. You can get through it and it just kind of lets the visuals tell the story. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And I really, I really like that about comic books. That's really something I, I value. So this, this comic book really does that well. Um, it's got some great action pieces, like when she's fighting monsters and, and everything. Um, and that's the first arc. I mean, I'm not going to get too deep into the second arc because I know you're not there yet, but we kind of go into how Erica became what she is. Yeah. I'm in the middle like of that right now. Yeah, it's her backstory. And it's that's just as engrossing as the first part, like the adventure in the town is basically the first arc. And the second arc is basically going through how she became what she is and how she came up through the House of Slaughter as a child and what happened to her. Um, and a lot of times a comic book can drop off from arc to arc. And, you know, well, that was a great first arc. But man, the second arc's kind of eh. No, dude, the second arc in this book is just as good as the first. Um, it tells a, a whole new story, and I really like it. like it a lot. The spinoff book is now started, too, with three issues in of House of Slaughter, and I'm reading that as well. It's a great book. I love this world. Um, it's great that this is being adapted into a Netflix show mm -hmm. by a guy we just talked about, Mike Flanagan, so I can't wait to see what he can do with this world. Um, yeah, dude, great comic book. I think best comic book of the year. Um, highly recommended right oh yeah absolutely i i stumbled into this one at the comic shop as well but i wasn't lucky enough to be there for issue number one i was i think i saw issue three and then mm -hmm. i went back i was like oh this looks really cool and the title of course catches you and then i went looking back and i talked with my shop and they're like yeah you're not gonna find the first couple <laughs> and i was like crap and then yeah you look online and they were already costing money and i was like ah crap so i was like well i'll wait for the trades and i think my first issue is even like a fourth printing so like yeah. i caught it late too but just luckily it happened to yeah. catch one of the printings before they were gone yeah mm -hmm. i just yeah I, I i wasn't as lucky and uh so i was like i'll wait for trades and then this year i was able to pick up i gr finally grabbed the first trade and sat down and read it and was like what was that and it was just so much fun to read 
And like you said, the story's not heavy handed. It just kind of moves and it's a very interesting, simple story, but still complex. And just, I really, you know, some comic books are fun to read and that's one that's just fun to read and just, you just enjoy it. It doesn't feel like a chore. Sometimes, you know, some comic books you read and you're like, oh, that's really good, but you got to kind of psych yourself up to read it. And this yeah. is not one that you need to. I picked up the other two trades. I've already got the House of Slaughter. And I've, the book has been added since the last arc ended, um, since they're on a hiatus to my list. So, and the fourth volume comes out here next week. So I, I will be all caught up here within the next week, which I'm excited about, but definitely easily probably the most fun I've had reading a comic all year. Yeah, man. Definitely. We can agree on that. And just having a show coming too is adds to the excitement of it. I, I'm excited to see what they could do with that. Maybe that'll be on our 2022 list, best shows and best comics of the year. Maybe, maybe. And if you happen to have issue number one of something is killing the children, you should get that stuff, uh, you know, graded and make sure that's right. being protected right now. Cause that's already skyrocketing in, in money. And I thought you were show gets further along. I thought you were going to say, if you have issue one of House of Slaughter, you should consider selling it to me. <laughs> yeah, Donate it to the show. All right. I will be happy to hold on to that for you. Um, so to wrap us up, we're going to talk about some of our most anticipated of 2022. It's a little hard to really go too deep with that because comics don't get announced years in advance. So it's kind of, you know, a lot of it's just rumors and things to see, but some of the things that jumped out to me, especially in this here near future was one to match up with what Don was talking about. We did have daredevil women without fear um, issue number one, which really seems like it's going to be a spinoff taking Electra doing her thing. I don't know. Is that a mini series or is that a, it might, I'm not sure. I've, I've seen the cover and I'm not sure what it's going to, if it's an ongoing or a mini, but it's definitely, it seems like it's just going to be Electra's daredevil yeah. story of her as daredevil. So fans of daredevil should like that one. Mm -hmm. We got a new She-Hulk coming out to go with, get everyone pumped up and get the character back out into the world, come and getting ready for her debut into the MCU. And it looks, I mean, from what I've seen of it, looks kind of interesting and cool. One of the biggest probably releases ever that's going to happen all year happens on January 27th, 26th, where we get Saga number 55 after a, what, 18 month hiatus no no way 18 months it's like almost three years three years uh it's been a long time since saga 54 and i oftentimes will forget it exists until finally just recently a few months back uh fiona staples and bkv like brian cave put out the cover for 55 and like oh my god it's happening saga's back yeah. all hands on deck we gotta everybody move uh so yeah it's been a long time one of the best comics ever i think um and really excited for it to come back and and sounds like it's got another long run in it till they get to around issue 100 i think you wanted to go to wow. so this should be this should be a fun entry back into saga world i'm ready to jump back in there nice 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 and then also being announced is we do have jeff lemire has a book coming out called little monsters here on march 2nd which was a vampire story but not about vampires which i thought sounded interesting but i'm down for whatever jeff lemire writes pretty much for the rest of my life so i, I think that might be it. another one with adrian uh sorrentino like I his think it is a collaborator is. he does a lot of books with yeah um and we, we like falls those and stuff mm -hmm. gideon falls and primordial and they had a nice long green arrow run together it's like two guys who work really well together so that that's interesting enough right there if that's them 
Yeah, um, absolutely. And then you you put in here that there's a new Tom King Batman. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, there's a new Tom King Batman coming. I think it's a mini series as he's not going to be the new Batman writer again. But um, yeah, I think he's hopping back onto Batman. Tom King's Batman is very divisive. Yeah, some people didn't some people didn't love it. I loved it. His 85 issues that he got. Uh, I thought it was one of the better Batman stories I've read. I loved that run. The the where you know he basically had Bane as the villain throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. Loved it. And then you know he's doing Batman Catwoman right now, which is a little different, but still interesting. Um, so seeing his name attached to another Batman book that's coming around the corner uh, definitely interests me. Um, I will definitely be checking that out as he is one of my favorite writers and I like his Batman. So anticipation for that one is right there. Sounds good. (laughs) Super down for more of that. But there it is. Our 2021 favorites list, our favorite things from the year, everything that we enjoyed watching this year. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed listening to us talk about it. And definitely, hopefully you found some things that you didn't know existed out there or something, things that you might have forgot, because that is always the joy of looking back at the year and going, oh, I forgot about that. Let's uh, check that out. So hopefully we were able to do that for you. If there are anything that we missed or anything that you want to share with us, make sure you join one of the over 1400 followers we now have over on Twitter at raise the geek, or you can shoot us an email if you need more than 160 characters to talk to us and over at raise the geek at gmail.com. Definitely. And shout out to, you know, the, the shows that shared their um, list with us. We like hearing from you guys. You gave us some good ideas on things we might like and, um, yeah, we love we love the participation. It's awesome. So thanks for that. 2021, man, was a great year for the kind of entertainment we like. We got a lot of great movies, shows, comics, video games, everything. Um, nothing really to complain about. Like it was all there for us. It was it was great. And hopefully 2022 brings a lot of stuff. Uh, we're definitely excited to talk about all the things coming up on this pod this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, dude geeks geek stuff love it love it but i think that is going to wrap us up this week we should be back next week with i believe we are going to try to do the first three episodes of boba fett book of boba fett over on disney plus so definitely get to watching that so you will be up and ready for us to talk deep dive into some spoilers but is it a book or a show is it a book or a show book show it's a show called the book of boba fett that's confusing. That part. <laughs> I'm tired and I'm like, wait, are you making a joke or are you being serious? It's a show, Don, stupid. You're watching it. <laughs> but that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Don. And thanks for listening to the Raise the Geek podcast. Where we always speak geek. <laughs>